Hello, my friends. Welcome to another Live with Matt Rad. This week, we are sponsored by nobody. As always, we have no sponsors. We don't charge. We don't have any kind of ad reads. Nobody paying us to say nothing. We can just do whatever we want and say whatever we want. And in return, all that we ask is that you share it and come participate. Come be on the Discord. Send me DMs. Ask questions. Come watch it live. Share it with people who you think might find it interesting. We're just out here trying to build a community and build a knowledge base, and it's turning into something really wonderful. I'm enjoying doing these. I know I've been traveling a bunch, so I've been missing weeks, and I've been a couple of days late here and there, Um, but I should be getting back to it a little bit more regularly. This week, John and I got on after a few weeks off, talked about his workflow without an assistant. He's been without an assistant for the first time in a few years, so he's doing what most of the rest of us do, which is prep our own sessions and bounce our own stems and do all the deliverables. And it's interesting to hear him talk about doing that, having not done it for so long. Uh, We talked about getting emotionally attached to projects and how much really to invest and how to deal with that. Um, Talk a little bit about developing artists, which is something that I've done a bit and I'm trying to do more of. Talked about audio movers and FaceTime. Nobody really has a good method for that, so we kind of talked through it. Additive EQ plugins, dealing with noise from analog gear, and a bunch of other stuff. Thank you guys, as always. Check out the show notes on livewithmattrad.com. Come say hi on the Discord, like I mentioned. Go subscribe and like and comment uh, on the YouTube, because it's good for the algorithm, I'm told. Just really trying to share all this stuff. So I appreciate you guys listening, and here's my conversation with John. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. Let me turn up the go. All right, there we go. Um, oh, it's cool to see all everybody joining. What's up, Baines? What's up, What's TV? up, everybody? Hey, and happy birthday to Alex Tumay, who's happy uh, birthday, he, Alex Tumay. I just texted birth- him. Yeah, I texted him earlier too. I was, uh, I, I, I think I probably said this a number of times recently, but for whatever reason, I've been going back and listening to some of his, uh, some of the early Twenty One Savage, Metro Boom, and Savage Mode, and just how deep and incredible the low end is on those. It's, 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 it's unreal how how good some of those uh some of those mixes sound so shout out alex Hattiebert. absolutely how are you doing man what's going on you know i'm just You're out in uh, hawaii. hanging out in hawaii doing the thing yeah i'm uh hanging out in los angeles <laughs> <laughs> how's la right now <laughs> it's fine it's hot i'm overworked i'm chilling i'm going away though to uh orcas island pacific yeah. northwest tomorrow um not tomorrow on friday i'm so excited for a long weekend have you been there before? Nope. One of my uh, one of my close friends, childhood friends, got married on Orcas Island, um, and we it was a, an amazing time, an amazing place, an amazing wedding. And we, uh, all my friends that grew up with in Oakland, went there. We constantly make fun of him for making us travel like forty nine hours to get there because <laughs> it was like a flight and a drive and a ferry and another drive and a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's an, amazing, it, it's an amazing place. I'm doing it apparently an easy <clears throat> way where I'm just taking a flight and then a flight and then I show up eight minutes from the house of my friend who I'm staying. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. We'll get, so get gonna, all the fresh seafood and all the yeah. That's yeah. the you know we 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 sent up a case of wine um, and we're gonna just eat seafood and drink wine and celebrate his fortieth birthday, which was on Sunday. So. Well, happy birthday to your friend. Yeah, that's a that's an incredible place. It's uh, a good time of year to go to because in the winter it's it's a bit yeah. uh, it's a bit rougher. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm excited for that. I'm trying to wrap up a bunch of things so I can do a five day little trip, um, and that's about it. Other than that, kind of just cranking away, being assistantless. You know, just 
having to do all the stems and all the preps and all the mixes <laughs> and go do the Atmos. And it's, it's a lot. Well, we were um, talking about it two weeks ago that you were just starting to get into that. Um, yeah. How has it been? How has it been doing all the things that us, uh, us normal folks often have to do? <laughs> Although I do have someone, I have someone occasionally uh, printing, printing stems and whatnot, but given that I'd say the vast majority of people here don't have a full-time person prepping sessions and delivering all the revisions and doing all the stems and Atmos and all that, how, how is it going? How is it feeling? You know, what are you learning? Trying not to become impatient. <clears throat> I have a lot of patience, I think, in general, for, for a multitude of reasons in, in my life. Um, and I'm trying to maximize the acceptance of, you know, the artist wants what the artist wants when they want it. And I think that the, you know, I, I think I, I say that a lot and I preach that, but you know, I'm not, I wasn't really living it. Cause I could always be like, Josh, can you send this thing? Like I'm out to dinner or I'm somewhere like they need it now. And he's on it versus now I'm like, Oh, maybe I should uh, wait a little bit because I'm not home right now. Uh, I don't have access to that. Hey, we need the stems for an Atmos album because you only mixed one on this. And we have someone mixing the rest of the album. It's like, oh, shit. Normally, Josh would do that. But I'm stopping what I'm doing to do that because I want to give the teams what they want whenever they want it. And it's kind of been the way I've you know, kept successful relationships with people. We've probably dabbled on this on the conversations before, but I just am pretty reliable. And I usually get notes back or something back within minutes to hours you know, within a day of requests. So I'm trying to still do that, but do everything yeah. uh, and, you know, not make people wait too long. So yesterday I had to, you know, I finished the mix and I had to do stems for two songs and I went to dinner and I came back and I did more stems um, and only got one mix done yesterday when I could have probably gotten three or four done, but I didn't. So I'm going to make it up today. How much more time do you have to spend in the last couple of weeks, let's say per day or per mix, however you want to quantify it, how much more time are you spending like per song or per day or whatever on, on hours, work? hours more per stems are between an hour and two hours, depending on the amount of stems they need to do. Uh, a prep could be five minutes to an hour to it can't happen because I'm missing files and all the things that Josh would navigate with producers and, Hey, this, you know, the vocal session is here, but we don't have this version of auto-tune because it doesn't exist anymore. Oh shit. That was on a studio computer that we don't even have access to too. So now I have to go find the studio engineer that uses an antiquated auto-tune to find out the settings and like recut, you know, and like, Oh, can you remake it? Sure. We could remake it, but artists always know they're dialed in auto-tune from the day. So we shouldn't remake it. Um, so hours more to not days more. Um, you know, it's frustrating, but I'm just in it. Well, it's, it's, I think it's a really nice thing to uh, talk about on here. Cause of course, you know, I think mo most people are in that situation. Uh, and uh, most people who are mixed engineers would love to get to the point where they have, uh, you know, and you have one person consistently, but a lot of, you know, the, the Mannies of the world have teams of people yeah. rotating. And um, yeah. so it's interesting to see you go through that uh so well, it's also, you know, for the people that don't do, don't have that, um, I'm doing a lot of prep work on days of, uh, that I'm not mixing that song. So I, I like I'm mixing a 12 song album for uh, an artist and I prepped six songs and then I mixed, you know, a couple the next day. So I just did a day or a night of prep work. So I'm, not, <clears throat> I'm just going through them. There was a song um that i was really inspired by so i just started mixing that one after the prep so i mean uh, you know jump in whenever but i also think that it's okay to do like you know the pre the pre-work and the post-work on different days 
Because I imagine you're right. I imagine most people that watch this don't have assistants. I mean, any yep. Marroquin is not tuning into our, our lives. I mean, maybe he is, and he's like, damn, these guys are really onto something. Uh, I, doubt, I doubt that, though. Um, you know, I hope for his sake he's, you know, enjoying his life outside of listening to young engineer producers talk about whatever we talk about. Shout out Manny if you're watching. Yeah. We love you, baby. <laughs> uh, I do. I do. I think he's fantastic. But, um, you know, I think most people are probably trying to understand how to maximize their workflow. Um, and I've been doing preps on days I'm not doing full mixes, or maybe I'm doing notes on mixes and then prepping in between while I'm waiting. Um, today is a mixture of both. Today I'm waiting for notes on a whole album. Um, but I have, you know, two mixes I could actually I have like four mixes I could do today. So I'm going to do some, you know, mixes from scratch that I've already prepped as well as do notes. That also gives a kind of interesting perspective break. So you're bouncing back and forth and yes. taking breaks from, you know, from the current mix to do notes on other things. Um, so that's a, a forced break, which is nice. I say, you know, I was gonna say, I, I don't, I'm not a pure mixer. I get hired to mix things periodically. I often mix my own productions, but I'm often sending them to people like Manny or, or, or you or, or others, but, um, not me, not, You're well, not to, yet, but you haven't. <laughs> we haven't yet. It's been out of my control. Cause if it's in my control, I'm going to mix it. But yeah. I did, I did hit you up about a project a week or two ago, which I'll talk to you about offline. Um, yes. but the, uh, the process of like, I actually don't mind doing stems and things like that for that exact reason, which is if I'm producing something, if I'm mixing something else, if I'm finishing up some song demos, I like bouncing between those processes and actually being able to, um, sit down and just run stems. It allows me to take a break for my brain and do some emails and do some file maintenance stuff outside yeah. of that. Um, now, if I was just mixing, I, I'm guessing that half of if half of the time was bouncing stems, I'd get pretty annoyed by it after a while. Like you said, you know, it's a practice and patience, but um, yeah. that that process can be a productive process. And as we always talk about, getting perspective on what you're doing and taking breaks is really important. So if you can actually yeah. have a productive break doing kind of quote unquote busy work, it's actually not a bad thing. It's totally fine. Uh, I, you know, would I opt out if I could right now and just go out to lunch or get coffee or something else for the break and the perspective? I would, but maybe I wouldn't force myself to do it. You know, I went for a walk before this I, um, to get in the zone and then I got hit with notes and my brain was like, do the notes before the live. And I did the notes and then I poured myself water at 1159 and here I am. And after that, I already got notes back on the same mix because... Uh, they want an open hi hat louder. Who, whatever you know, I'm gonna have to go do that in a second. So, I, you know, the day is filled with ins and outs of mixing records. I guess is what you know my life has been, and I'm a bit more in that zone now. Maybe more like I was, you know, five years ago yeah. when I just it was nonstop work. I think in the past few years I've gotten better at the work life balance. Um, this last few weeks, it's not been that it's been, yeah. it's been work, 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 and then some dinners, you know? Yeah, it does seem, you know, we've, we've talked about the like long arc of one's career that early in the career, you're just in grind mode. Um, not that one needs to be, but basically everybody that's really successful that we know is that, and go back again and say this, I don't recommend that life for most people, but if mm -hmm. you're an insane person like we are and you're there, that's what it is. And then you get to the point where you can go, okay. I've now been grinding it out for five, 10 years, whatever it is. Now, how do I actually live some sort of stable, balanced life? Um, it's interesting to hear you in grind mode and kind of go back to that and be able to yeah. access that and, and not go completely insane. And it's, it's a bit of the like, ah, I still got it. 
like well, it's, it's a uh, yeah, nice thing and to also. Hear. In a negative side of it, like for example, on this on this conversation, like I'm not bothered because we do this all the time. But when I'm super in work mode, sometimes I don't even know what to do, what to talk about with anybody else, yeah. because I'm just like, oh, I know what I have to do this afternoon. Like I have a lot, I have a lot on my brain. Uh, and then you know, when it comes to certain artists that you're working on, you can't really talk about what you're doing. So my brain is like very. The last three weeks is very zoomed in um, on work. I'm not like really reading or watching anything. Not really listening to as many podcasts as usual. I am exercising. I am still doing that, but I'm a little bit more uh, where I was, like I said, years ago, where I was not doing as much else. So, and I actually haven't reflected on that until right now and realized that it's kind of where the head is. I did go to a pizza night at my my friend Eric's house uh, the other night, and that was really awesome to kind of step away from the studio and eat some homemade pizza and drink some good wine. Um, so there are some perks to the work hard all day, you know go out a little well, bit at night the the, the sweet moments uh, feel sweeter because they're they're fewer yes um, yes it's it's interesting i i think that this may be a personality difference between us although i'm not you're, it doesn't sound like you you're not liking the experience when i'm in the place where i've got that tunnel vision and i'm like crazy focused and i'm just working nonstop. i really love being in that place i honestly think yeah. it's it might be in my my happiest moments. I mean, I'm here with a friend of mine. I'm staying at his place. We're working on some of his music. I'm finishing up a bunch of stuff I did in Nashville last few weeks. So I'm kind of in it. And we're also doing Hawaii things and running around and going to volcanoes. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I guess this is a pretty cool, like, balance of those things. But like my last day in Nashville, I think I did four songs. I wrote, wrote two and then cut two vocals that night on two different songs and also finished some lyrics. And I love being in that mode. And as long as I can not completely burn myself out where I'm like not sleeping and not exercising, it's not saying that it's just that mm. basic health routine things are there. And then I'm nonstop making music. I think that's me at my happiest. Now that's mm. also, I'm not mixing yeah. records only. I'm also producing and being creative. So I love waking up and like thinking of ideas and then go making, going to make things mm. and make sounds and, you know, I had a breakthrough the day before on some there's some new plugin or some new keyboard mm -hmm. sound, and I'm obsessed with it. And I wake up thinking about it. Like I love being in that mode. Um, that may be again. I don't know if that's maybe maybe we're saying maybe I'm saying the same thing. Oh, it's, both, I agree. it's both personality and my you. role. Yeah. Oh no, I love it. I love it. It <laughs> is my happy place. I have zero complaints. I think I got used to, um, you know, being a little more flexible in the past, like since the pandemic, kind of. Yeah. Uh, prioritizing other things and, and um, I'm not not necessarily doing that right now. So I am in my happy place. I think you're totally right. I should probably just say that. I'm <laughs> pretty stoked. I think what's happening right now, though, um, which we can talk about with mixes, is that I'm going to... This is hard, hard to say um, without... Um, I, you know, I'm getting like a lot of, wow, love this. And then like, I'm now on in Prague 9, 10, 11 on songs. So like, you loved it, but now you're backtracking because you've showed other people. You Whatever the reasons are, it's like you were hyped on something. A couple of these things were in the room, like had, you know, had the artist over and listening, then did the car test, and they're like, oh, I love this. And like, oh, showed it to so-and-so, and they think that – the rough it's like well i don't know the rough was loud and ridiculous and it doesn't like sound like it's gonna stand any test of time um so i don't know it's like 
we're on mix nine and now you're not sure like and you were hyped <laughs> means you were feeling something from the from the initial instinct of passing it off to someone that's supposed to understand how you know things could could sound and and translate in other places um so the happy place comes in the moment of instinct the moment of capturing and bringing you know to the forefront the intention of the artist and then getting that initial feedback and then the, the the taper off of happiness in a mixer's life is the nitpicky things that are either making it worse or not better uh, a lot of the time and bringing it back to a place where it was taken from um, for what I would uh, imagine is the better. And so uh, seemingly with the artist and producer that were in the room sharing the, the listening experience and why we made decisions, you know? Um, so I'm not I, in the happy place all the time because of that. But if it was just me and the artist and the producer and we made those moves and it was done on three, four, five, you know, mixed revisions, I'd be in a much happier place when it comes to the creative uh, um, world that I live in. This is the, the challenge of being a mixer is that you have, uh, you uh, like we talk about, you have so many pieces of the process and so many things that are happening and personalities and all that before it comes to you that yeah. you can send it off and people go, this is awesome. And then it's like, all right, now all of the, 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 the journey that got the song to this place, we kind of reflect on that and who's decision-making and the writers yeah. and the singer and the A&R and the whatever. And, and look, yeah, it's a, and look, part of the process. We, we've <laughs> talked about this. We've talked about this quite a few times. Um, I don't know if I'm going to say it any differently, but who am, who am I, right? Who am I? Like, it's not my record. So I'm going to walk it back to where they want it to a degree and I will put up some sort of fight um, or, or, uh, explain in, uh, intention a little bit further and, and talk like I'm talking to you about like, Hey, we were there. We got here for a reason. Why are we going back? Like, I think that it's not really on me, so I don't have to listen to it ever again. Um, and you know, you as the artist have to go perform it and, uh, need to feel it and need to, you know, I, sometimes I think that, uh, that's more important than what I think. Right. So I'm supposed to know better quote unquote, um, I'm supposed to be an expert. It's a funny word to say about oneself, but you know, I'm not a heart yeah. surgeon, uh, but I, I did run into a heart surgeon at a wine tasting uh, Saturday afternoon, which is so wild that this guy was just starting to talk about, you know, he's move, trying to move to LA to get a new job somewhere in Silver Lake. And I was like, oh, what do you do? He's like, I'm a heart surgeon. My first question was, do you sleep well before surgeries? And he's like, no. And I was like, I, isn't that awful? And I started going in on like why surgeons don't get enough sleep. And anyway, great random guy to meet at a wine tasting. And also just you, you meeting a heart surgeon at a wine tasting is exactly like, it's exactly John Costelli. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, especially so, especially, with, especially, actually, we'll keep this is for us, uh, an off mic conversation. So never mind. But back to what, back to what I was talking about. I, there's a, there's an attachment and, um, a necessity to detach, uh, as a, as a mixer at some point where I want to imagine that I come into every record, um, as some sort of like surrogate, uh, parent, um, of, of the song where yeah. I'm listening. I usually say yes to things that I'm feeling. So I think I can enhance them or I know I can enhance the experience for the listener. So I'm going into it, imagining that I'm here to, level up what what is there not to put my stamp on and say i did it and then move on to instagram and post that i that i did it right like yeah. 
that's a byproduct of the necessity of showing people what you're capable of so you get more work. But the initial instinct in the, of, of the mix is, is what, I, what I really do it for. So you'd have to imagine that the people hiring you believe that in you and trust you to occupy that space. Um, but a lot of the times I, I, I think that that's just a show. And I don't actually think that people care or, or believe that in the mixer. Yeah. A lot of the yeah. time. Like more, more than not, I don't think it matters. I think they, I think the artists will will say that it matters, um, but I don't, I don't think it does. And I think you, as and I, and and anybody who's doing some version of this, you still have to go into every project trying to be that person in the project yeah. to like have have that level of excitement and belief that you can do something great for it. And by the way, it's not always the case. I mean, it's sort of a goal for not unlike ultimately having some work-life balance like it's a place you get to when you're starting out you just you take work like we talk about if you if you're not getting hired for things you got sessions keep mixing get reps in keep mixing keep producing keep making a million tracks there's times during the pandemic where i was just like i'm not really feeling zoom sessions i have a few people i can covid bubble with but i can't really actively do sessions so i'm just going to make a million tracks i'm just going to make stuff because i know that if I get out of practice with that, if I get out of that, then when I come back to doing in-person sessions, I'm not going to have the same flow. Like you just got to, at various points in your life, you just got to be making things. But the ultimate goal yeah. really is you're, you're going to do your best work being emotionally invested in some capacity and feel like yeah. you have a, you have a, a role to play. Um, it's hard. It's hard when you, when you get out of that. I think as a, as a human, I have, I think, what's referred to um, as a, a secure attachment style, um, mm-hmm. m- meaning like if I were to be in, in um, a friendship or a relationship and I say goodbye to you uh, to go to dinner um, or somewhere, like I'm not imagining it's the last time that I'm going to see you. Like I'm not afraid of you dying or leaving. Like I yeah. imagine I'm going to see you again. When it comes to this, a song, I think I have a very unhealthy, anxious, attached <laughs> personality to music because... I want, I want to, uh, I, I want to be a part of the the living, breathing thing that is that record for mm. its eternity, right? Like that's um, I I want to, you know, I, I have a hard time. Spider and I have gone in on the word, and, and Rory have gone in on the word pride. I think pride is something that you could forfeit completely. I think a lot, if a lot of people withheld um, their belief in pride, they would um, be able to. Um, lower the amount of ego that gets involved in a lot of in a lot of things um but that's for another longer philosophical question maybe off off camera um but there's something i'm realizing that you could you can have pride in others um and lack the pride in yourself and those are two very different things and i feel like i'm proud of artists for creating such absurdly great music and i want to shepherd it to the world and i feel like i'm proud of other people um for what they make and i don't want to get in the way but i also want to be a part of the story um and i love being the part of other people's stories because i'm never going to put out my own music so i don't get a chance to express myself through words or or emotion um you know through the obvious ways that you know people like uh you know billy eilish or you know the stars of the world get to do and you get to do that to some degree right you get to do that um enhancing the vision of the artist in the room and sculpting some of the the phrases whether it's lyrics or melody and yeah. put a little bit of yourself in there but i get almost none of that and yeah. i don't need that that's why obviously I'm, a, I'm an engineer but my way of doing that is to take this take this child and help shape it into what it's yeah. going to become 
and not yeah. and not for a year and not for a week. You, I'm literally thinking about it as something that will live on, as as a teenager, as a 20 year old, 30 year old, if possible, right? Like thinking about Bruno Mars. If you took a Bruno Mars record, like Serban, getting to mix Bruno Mars, you don't think about Bruno Mars at one years old. You think about Bruno Mars at a wedding 30 years from now. 24 Karat mm-hmm. is going to be playing for decades to come. You know what I mean? Like Uptown Funk is is yeah. a 30 year old child at some point, like growing up. I, I don't I don't want to think about things on SoundCloud lasting for a week to six months. I just, that's not my brain. I didn't grow up in that music industry. It's this speaks also to a question we get asked a lot about: Should I do everything? Should I specialize? And the answer is always: It depends on your personality. I find that I am most satisfied sometimes being super invested emotionally with an artist. There's a there's an artist I. I met in Nashville that I've worked with a bit now and I think we're going to make a lot more records and it's really there's like a an emotional bond that I've I've made with the singer and and uh mm-hmm. and we're going to I think go I think there's something really interesting you can do and I have a lot of ideas and I really want to go deep with him and we've worked on a lot of records um and that process of a lot of in, emotional investment in something that is not my art ultimately is an interesting thing that I really enjoy but I also can't do that all the time. I need mm-hmm. to be able to like step back and just like get sent a vocal stem and do a pop production, do some mixing, mm-hmm. things like that. Cause I, I need to go between them. And that's something I discovered over a long time, which is I like some of that. I like doing it very intensely. And then I need kind of a creative break for, for perspective or for emotional release or whatever it is. It's interesting to hear you talk about it because we all have bits of all of this, but I think yours is you're more interested in the latter, which is let me just help in small bursts. And even if we're on revision 10 and it's not exactly like revision one, cool, I'm going to do another one later today or another one tomorrow or whatever. You definitely get emotionally invested because we all have to be passionate about what we're doing to do great work. This is too competitive, competitive of an industry to not give a shit about what you're working on. You have to really love it to, to make great things. Um, but how people invest emotionally and what people decide to do is really just kind of based on your personality. And like, I, you know, I played in bands and I made beats and I managed a band for a minute and I used to promote shows and I've spent time in the studio for months with a band and I've done lots of one-offs. Like I've, I've done all kinds of different things and it just takes that experience to figure out and like you, you, you've been a songwriter, you built a studio, been an engineer, you've been a producer and you've started to find over the years, this is the thing that makes the most sense for your personality. And yeah. I think everybody over the course of time, you just, you just have to find that. And, and maybe that changes over your life too, as your life changes and as your priorities change. But I, I, I think mm-hmm. figuring out what your emotional investment is, is, is a question I'm, I'm constantly asking myself because it's important to keep developing that. I couldn't agree more. I think the, um, you know, also understanding your threshold, like when you were talking about that, I was realizing that my, there is a cross threshold point. I guess it's a personality thing where I can tell when I've lost my, my say in the record. Right. I'm not going to just like the bail, and I'm not going to not care, but there's a level of emotional attachment that I've now sacrificed. I've mm. now relinquished and said, okay, cool. That's what you want. You got it. Um, yeah. And now I am less emotionally attached to that song. Therefore, when it comes out, 
I could probably care less versus I might be more excited about something and express more enthusiasm. But I definitely experienced that. Um, I'm going, I mean, I'm going through that right now on a project where there's a couple of songs that the artist is probably going to go with a rough mix on the album. And when I hear those, they're going to connect with me less because I know that I preferred my versions of those. And that's okay too. As long as they care about what's coming out and love what's coming out, that's fine. But I don't have to now have the same <clears throat> level of enthusiasm for it. I, not that I don't have to. I, I, it's impossible for me to. Because I don't think that one is better. If I went back and listened and was like, oh, you know, they're right. And I've had that experience too. Like, you know what? By 10 mixes in, I kind of fucked up that one. We should probably either revert back to the rough and mix from there or we ran out of time, go with the rough. Like I've had that experience. I'm not yeah. against that happening because... Sometimes on a full project, you just lose perspective and there's a lot, there's, you know, 18 versions of the single and then other songs get lost along the way. And, and my job is to maintain focus on as many moving parts as I can, but maybe I'm human and that happens, but I do lose enthusiasm for it. And then I probably won't care about it as much as I would have. And then maybe it's, that's okay. Again, these are things that are probably okay. Yeah. And for the artist, it's not okay because they have to perform these songs. So they, they have to maximize enthusiasm. Yeah, you, it's always important to remember that if you are a mixer or producer or what, songwriter or whatever, you will make thousands of songs uh, over the course of your life and career. Mm -hmm. And an artist with a really, really good career will make double-digit amount of songs. Yeah. Like a, yeah. an amazing career is several albums. Like yeah. there aren't a lot of artists that put out several albums. That's, that's an amazing yeah. career. I make between three or four hundred songs a year. Yeah, and you're going to do it you for know. decades. You're going to you'll mix five to ten thousand songs in your life, most likely, depending on yes. what the arc of your career is. So. And, a, and a and a recording artist will release maybe sixty on a, a pretty good career. I mean, you know, obviously that can range quite a bit, but it's important yeah. to have that perspective of okay, I'm invested in this. I've done everything I can the way I want, and now they want a bunch of different things. That's great. I've done the thing that I am here to do, and now I'm going to adjust for them. But it, yeah, it is hard. Like I've definitely had that too. We've all had that where, you know, you get through 80, 90% of the process and you're like, holy shit, this is so amazing. And then the last 10% is the artist or the label or whoever changing a bunch of stuff. And you're like, I don't like this nearly as much, but I'm not going to say that because I'm a professional and now it's yeah. coming out and I'm not as excited, but that's okay. That's, 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 that's why we have live with Matt Rad, So I could vent about these <laughs> things to the homie. <laughs> you just do a nameless, you, you won't name the artist or name the, the lady yeah, or anything yeah, yeah. like that, but it, but it happens to everybody and it happens constantly and all the time. And, and that's okay. I have to say that I am excited to find out what you pick next to emotionally dive into and attach to because i know that's something you're looking for you're looking for um an artist to develop that's kind of what we've i, I don't know if we talked about it on camera or just at dinners together but that's kind of what you're feeling like you've been lacking in in the career arc um is that kind of full development like start and help break an artist um do you think that this person might be a, a candidate for that or is this a different yeah idea yeah i mean I, I i've definitely done it many times also when you're starting out that's what you're all doing you're all trying to develop your career um i think the thing for me is i've i haven't seen any of the things that i've been involved with very very early then hit that uh whether it's like superstar or just have huge success everybody's kind of gotten to a certain point and then things have changed and whatever um i also think that once you get into maybe this is just my experience, but once you get into the music industry and have some success, 
the people you're interacting with are generally there's more things happening and there's more of a system in place and it there's yeah. something fun about being early on in a process or helping an artist discover something and feel like they're breaking through into a new into a new realm and being a part of that um mm. yeah i'll send you i'll send you a couple of the cool. couple of the songs um there's there's a there's a few things out there that are interesting like that. I mean, I'm, I'm always, I'm always interested in what the next thing is. That's also part of what makes me a producer, I think, um, or what excites me about it is I love shit that I don't understand how they're doing it. I like yeah. new, uh, I like angel on there in the chat, like, uh, an amazing record maker as well. Like young record makers doing things that I just wouldn't make those choices. That's why, you know, starting a year or two ago, I was talking about hyper pop sound and Dylan Brady and Callie Cartier and some of these artists, they're just doing things where I listen to it and I still, still turn people onto it where you hear it and go, this doesn't make sense. Like you're not yeah. supposed to form into vocals and tune them that crazy and distort them and crush the mix bus. And yet they're making art within that. And I, I yeah. analogize it to being in maybe it's like the, the 1950s and hearing like, a, a guitar amplified for the first time. You're like, what a sweet jazz guitar. And then some kid just goes, I'm going to turn this up to 10 and distort it. And you're just like, that sounds so wrong. But then all of a sudden rock and roll's invented. Like I'm, I'm interested in that philosophically, conceptually. And I like pushing myself to be like, I wouldn't like this. I wouldn't have liked this six months ago. And now I'm obsessed with it because people are pushing the boundaries and expressing themselves. I'm always yeah. just into that as an idea. So I'm always looking for that. And as we get older, we already we we get settled into the things that we like and we're comfortable with um and it's harder to find those things because we already know what we like you know when you're 15 you have no idea who you are you're trying to discover yourself through um what is you know you're trying on lots literally trying on different clothes different hats but also trying you know trying on different personalities and what who are my friends and all this and that's when music really starts to speak to you and you grab onto things but in my 30s mm. in my late 30s now it's just I, I don't i don't crave that you know pulling things toward me to have my identity because i already have my identity so it's a more of a challenge to find those things but i love that challenge so mm. that's really where it comes from is i just want to find people doing new shit that push me creatively. Cause again, getting back into that creative mode and being in it is my happiest place. It's my most, mm. you know, other than like hanging out with my family and eating well and getting a good night's sleep and that sort of thing. It's yeah. like, I like being in the creative mode where new things are happening and stuff that I wouldn't have done a month ago. I'm now doing all the time or listening to or whatever. So yeah, I'll send you, I'll send you some of the music. Um, no, that's really interesting. I, I, I was just going to try to take a different approach to what you were talking about because I think that that turns me on too, like an exciting new sound that I can't describe where it comes from. It might even have some nostalgia to it. It's just like a new approach. But I think what's really hitting me hard lately is when young people are doing the, the intimate thing. They're doing mm -hmm. like the, the unplugged feeling, though like well-produced and, and, and clean to a degree and, and presented professionally not like a ridiculous live recording necessarily but a bit more of a live approach um an organic approach to music but done with like interesting new melody choices and feels and arrangement switch-ups that are like oh that's okay well we've heard the acoustic guitar before but not how it enters here and does this thing like how do you use how do how do, how do new because angel just said i i why I'm relating to this is like, imagine the first doo-wop session, you know, imagine the first doo-wop song 
It's like people were probably geeked out by that, like that kind of like snappy, like what? What, what is this, you know? And you're getting, you know, you can take that to the to the uh, the Dylan Brady and like, and then in the hyper pop thing, it's just like, oh, I've never heard music like that. It's definitely a product of the digital age. But what I'm super interested in now, when it comes to pop songs, because those things that's hyper pop, but there's like a, it's its own subgenre. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm looking for that that minimalism, but the feel and the detuning and like the the the, the accidents that that are still there, um, but but from young people. Like I think yeah. like them going back in time. I think what we talked about the music you're not interested in this like re early two thousands uh, pop punk, um, you know, but not as good sounding thing uh, by by most people is like that's their version of that they're trying but they don't know how to play guitar well enough to like even be right. bad at guitar it's just like nobody even learned the chords like not, no one actually like knows you know Kurt Cobain knew what he was playing you know what I mean like there was a uh, you know the Jimmy E. World like new harmonics like that band right. knew you know um, yeah. I don't think that's really the case in a lot of the scenarios now but that's a that's a taste of what I'm talking about mm. like how are young people approaching a real instrument versus like you know, overdriving a clipper, not that, not that just anybody can do that properly. I think who the people you're calling out are doing it in like a, a insanely effective and, yeah. um, you know, and, and not a stupid way, not like a, Oh, I get it. But like, it's fucked up. It's like, no, no, no. It's super intentional. And it sounds incredible. Um, versus how do you do that with a live instrument, but also keep it modern and dense and forward kind of like what Eric Valentine was doing, you know, I feel like yeah. he was a bit of a pioneer there. Yeah, I mean, he really was in that in that era, and I think you're right too. And I'm okay with lots of bad music being made. I know there's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot mm-hmm. of chatter about as as people get older, they sort of complain that there's so much music being made and so much of it is amateurish and bad. But th- mm-hmm. that's the way things always are. I mean, it's, you know, mm-hmm. we go back to uh, mm-hmm. Sinatra hating rock and roll initially because he said it was music made by amateurs. When you're Sinatra and you're dealing with uh, orchestrators and literally a live orchestra and a microphone in the middle and then a bunch of guys are going like love love me do you know like that music sounds dumb and amateurish mm-hmm. but that's so great that's the, yeah. that's the and by the way there were lots of other artists around the Beatles that were probably terrible and all the people that were 10 years older were like all this music sucks and they're like yeah but the Beatles are good yeah like one band is good but like that's that's what it is and there's lots of bad music it's being totally what it is there's and a, that's okay. there, was a, there was a barrier of entry to the recording studio because the expense and the record labels controlled the access to the studio for so many decades. So the, re- the recorded releases and the promoted releases that we all heard were at, always at the top of the charts were like pretty well done because experts yeah. were doing it. But there was always the, the local band that was trying to play at a pub. Tons. Like that, oh, tons that always existed, but now we just have the unfortunate circumstances of our ears hearing all of that recorded yeah. as they can. So I want to accept it, but I'm definitely on the, <laughs> the, the chatter of I wish some of it would like. No, I, I take that back. <laughs> Express yourself. Express yourself. By the way, but this is this is what this is the challenge that I deal with is I want to. I, I know intellectually that <laughs> I shouldn't be upset that people are making bad music. So I'm going to learn how to like get through it and be like, I love that. I love that people are trying. You don't have to listen to it. Exactly. Exactly. There's, there's plenty of content out there that you can go right past stuff you don't like. And sometimes you got to wade through it. I mean, I don't remember what the stats are, but I think it's hundreds of thousands of songs a week being released to Spotify, like 60,000 a day. 
that's absolutely insane and it's and it's only going up um and that what that means is there's a lot of bad music but but that's okay like people should all be making music yeah, I, at I least want everybody ten, to make shit at least 10 of their friends are enjoying it you know what i mean yeah and they're enjoying it yeah they're making stuff it's, it's fucking dope i love that shit yeah yeah i want to uh, i want yeah go ahead yeah should we ask should we answer some questions any any good questions this there week? are a few questions or a couple things that, that related a little bit to um uh what we we're talking about before um maybe some uh, Somebody asked this last week, and I wanted to ask you about it, too, because it's always frustrating. Oh, um, Brody asked, how exactly does John use audio movers and FaceTime for mixed revisions? Are you FaceTime on the phone? Are you listening through speakers, headphones, FaceTime? That's, I, everybody's like, how do we do that? Because with the Zoom, ah. and Zoom writing sessions are the worst because everything is delayed, and you're like, I have one ear on the headphones, but I got the FaceTime, yeah. but I'm running the session. How do you, do you have a method for doing that? Honestly, I try to text when I'm on, doing it, and then you can have the FaceTime just in case you want to tune in, but everybody's muted. But like you're texting notes and thoughts, and then you're having more philosophical conversations. So you're streaming about where the on mix. audio movers, and yeah. people are texting? People are texting, but I also might have the Zoom or a FaceTime on my iPad on the desk so I could see people's faces and like their head bob. Like, are they feeling it? You know, I, I did. Um, I did a, a Zoom recently with like with a an A and R and like. I was just stoked to see him like really feeling it, you know, like I was getting that, but you know, then we would unmute and talk. You have to mute, you have to mute unless everybody's in headphones and even then they'll hear it through me. So I have to mute. And then like, if you want to talk, you raise your hand and like, just like wave at the camera and be like, Hey, I got something to say, you know, just make it known. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't like being on like, it's, it's difficult. There's no, there's no easy way about it with the latency. Um, and bleed back and forth yeah when i've done it um because i'm doing mixed revisions that um don't generally mean i need to sit perfectly in between the speakers it's like can we turn this up can you find this part can you put this here i'm usually on headphones and then i'll have um, mm -hmm. a facetime in front of me so the speakers aren't blaring but i can talk to them back and forth mm -hmm. and some, you know i'll be like cool let me just do that and then sometimes i'll be like um i need to make this base adjustment i'm going to mute everybody and then go do it just, from there but yeah they're all i just thought of something different. what if we what if you set your output to mono get two pairs of airpod pros use the left ear of one and the right ear of one and then put the mix in the right ear so you can do your mix notes in mono with one ear and then put the conversation in the left ear. So when you talk, honestly, Sorry. not 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 a bad idea. It's just I mean, an absurd, random thought. It, it's impossible to do it uh, exactly perfectly, yeah. and uh, I, I tend to. It works like I, though. It's so much better than email back and forth when you can. Yeah, when you can do it in real time, it's, it's worth the like. Okay, I'm going to mute this. Just make sure. Can you? And some people will be listening on their speakers and un, ha, not have their. FaceTime muted, and then you got to tell them, hey, you got to mute this because I can hear the through the. It's the, fine. The, yeah. It's fine. It's, you figure it out. I like seeing it, people's faces. I like working yeah. with artists in the room. So this is the second best thing. Uh, it's also just good. The reason why I wanted to ask it is I'm pretty sure no one has a great system for it. And it's just, it's just a little weird, and you got to kind we're of. We're all adjust figuring it out. We're all figuring it out, and there isn't a perfect system yet. By the way, big market opportunity for somebody to figure it out how to do it perfectly yeah. i don't know i don't know if yeah. there's like i don't know if the the solution is another plugin but if somebody can figure out a great way to do it where you as the mixer doing revisions or producer or whatever 
you have you can listen to the mix and have someone on FaceTime and be able to communicate with them, but also not have to be on headphones and keep muting back and forth. If somebody can solve that problem. Um, I think uh, I think we would happily use the product and promote it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, so. Pe- People talk about Lander. I, I don't know. I haven't used that. Um, somebody just posted about it in the chat, yeah. but I know there's some chat about that. Look in into Discord. it. Discord. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it solves the problem. Um, uh, somebody asked, uh, Maca asked, a favorite additive EQ plugin. Uh, I believe for all of us right now, it's Spectre. Spectre. Uh, I don't know if there's, it's, maybe there'll be another great thing. We've, we've been on that for the last year or two. Harmonic Spectre actually. or the uh, Vintage EQ in Ozone 9. Mm, I know I have I've used that a little bit, but I haven't used it a lot. Does that add some harmonic stuff as well? It's a you know it's a Poltec emulator, so I'm sure they're 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 modeling something. But yeah, I think the top end boost on that is is super clean, transparent. That's exact, I don't know character. if we talked about it, but that's exactly what I use it for. Is just a little bit of top end boost sometimes on a it's on a really mix. nice. It's, it's one of the it's better pretty, plugins for top end boosting. It's the Ozone Vintage EQ. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, um <laughs> Joel asked how long does it is more for me I suppose uh Joel how long does it typically take to turn around a demo production after the session and I read that and I was like there's like a 9% chance that it's a burner account of somebody that I haven't delivered a song to because I have like I have like eight I have like eight songs <laughs> That's that I have that I haven't delivered from from Nashville but if anybody's watching that I worked with in the last week in Nashville I'm working on it you'll get it in the next couple of days um seem like I've had a lot of fun with volcanoes man I don't know <laughs> yeah man been uh, been 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 running around a while but um to turn around a demo production I for the longest time, my, my manager and publisher would be like, you'd take way too long because I usually go into production mode and I want everything to sound amazing. And it really depends on if you're doing a songwriting session, um, you know, you have to do that balance every time of how much does, how cooked does this demo need to be if you are in Nashville and writing country songs not very cooked oftentimes uncooked is very good where Mm -hmm. you want someone to go cool and now i'm going to get this to my producer so and so is going to cut this as long as the lyric is great and the song feels great it can be a it can be a voice note um if you're in pop world and you're going to go pitch it to a big pop artist who does not have like an executive producer like a benny blanco or somebody attached you probably want to cook the demo a bit more because a big part of pop records is how the track sounds. And can you basically just send the instrumental to an artist, Mm -hmm. they cut the vocal and it's done. And it's a whole range in between there. If you're working with an artist, I often spend a lot of time making it sound great, especially the vocal. Mm -hmm. Like I'll go in and try to get final vocals. Even if it's, we have one day together, like I'm going to go and spend time comping the vocal and getting it to sound like it's the best vocal they've ever heard because if I'm working with the artist, that I want them to hear it and go, holy shit, I sound great. I love this song. Now we can finish the production. So yes, it depends. So sometimes it's a few hours. Sometimes it's a couple of days. Um, I always want it to be shorter <laughs> the amount yeah. of time it takes. Um, but that's just... Every, you know, everyone it, does. Yeah, it, it varies. I mean, that's that's varies a balance well. of how to, you know, it's a balance of your week and scheduling sessions. Like, do you do two sessions a week and finish on other three or four days of work, you finish what you did on those two days because maybe you did two songs in each day or two starts. Or maybe you're doing five sessions a day and then you need to take a week week, and you take a week off to work on the ones prior. I think a a, a big part of the LA songwriting scene and publishing scene outside of Nashville, I think this is very focused to, to LA, is that 
art uh, writers are in two sessions a day sometimes, and so are producers, and they just keep doing it because the publisher's like, oh, so-and-so is in town. Work with so You're going to be so good with, oh, go get lunch with blah, blah, blah. It's like so much yeah. like, it, you know, which is great, right? There's, there's, a, there's a reason why the, the publisher's trying to connect you with people they think you're going to vibe with. But at the same time, you need to take a step back and finish what you're working on because a hundred unfinished songs is way worse than two finished great records. Like I don't, yeah. I don't really understand the quantity game when most songs that are doing really well, the artist wrote them anyway, and they weren't hit songs. You know, like most hit songs are written with the artist there, like I, with being yeah. fully developed artists. This is a, definitely a larger conversation. I might even uh, try to bring on a music publisher at some point. We can talk mm. exclusively about that. But the but the mm. pitch game is changing. It changes. It's dramatically different from a place like Nashville to L.A. And London has actually got its own configuration. I mean, the idea mm -hmm. of writing songs to then pitch them it continues to change. And the pandemic has changed that, where all of a sudden all the artists got home recording setups and were writing their own stuff because they weren't running around doing sessions. But there were mm -hmm. a lot of pitch songs as well. It's, that that game is is constantly changing it's also the reason yep. to have a publisher and a manager and and a community of people because as things adjust you want to adjust how much time you're spending uh doing what if, if what your job is is a professional songwriter and producer where you're just trying to get a volume of songs and connect with artists it's a it's a it's a larger conversation for sure um, yeah, I, I just I think my point is just that you have to figure out what works for you and yeah. don't feel pressured to do as many sessions per week or per month if you're not delivering records, because then you're going to just wind up with a bunch of unfinished records. It's just yeah. common sense. Yeah. yeah and it, it's different if you're a man, let's go into a little bit. If you are a top liner, if you are not writing, if you are not producing, by the way, start producing because everybody right. can produce. We were just talking about it 10 minutes ago. Everybody can make music. If you are someone who is only writing lyrics and melody, what are you doing? Like either, mm -hmm. either find a young producer to mm -hmm. team up with immediately or start producing. Um, even mm -hmm. if you're just making loops in GarageBand, like just, just do that. Like, you know, Umbrella was a GarageBand loop. It's not that hard yeah. to do. Um, but there, <laughs> it's there not that hard people. to make Umbrella quote from that rad i mean if you're a great top liner all you need is a loop and a little keyboard part uh i have not written this i have not written that song but but it's doable it, it, it's yeah. it's it's doable is the point it's yeah. not not that it's easy to do uh simple but difficult um but you know if you are a, if you're a top liner and your your publisher is putting you in two sessions a day the challenge there is you got to have enough stuff to write about uh if you're going in with artists it's easier mm -hmm. because the artist's presumably have a story that you're trying to get out of them but if you're in there trying to write songs twice a day almost everybody gets burnt out doing that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it doesn't mean you shouldn't go and get a million reps in you might get great songs out of it often often you will um but everybody gets burnt out with that for me as a writer producer it depends on the city i mean when i'm in nashville just nobody really writes songs on the weekends and everybody writes from like 11 to 4 p.m. So I can do a session every day and then I can spend a few hours in the evening finishing demos um, yeah. or cut, cutting other artists or doing a second session or whatever. In L.A., it tends to be a longer hang. Um, I generally am only doing like I try to limit it to an average of three days a week of writing in L.A. I'm also getting mm. hired to just be a producer. So I need time to do that as well. If I were exclusively writing as a writer producer, then maybe I do four days a week because I'm also generally cutting the vocal and then having mm -hmm. to comp and finish the production and all that. And because LA requires 
Um, the, the songs that come out of LA are generally more in the, the pop and pitch space um, or need to be more fully formed than a place like Nashville. I do need more time built into my schedule in order to finish production. So yes. it just depends uh, what city you're in, what kind of music you're working on, what your role is. Um, and it's constantly changing a bit too. Cause like I said, you know, going to Nashville, some of the artists I'm working with have their own producers built in. So it doesn't yeah. make sense for me to do anything other than here's the song. Isn't this a great vocal? But then there's other artists who are like, uh, we don't have a producer attached or if it's great, you can produce it and then I'll spend more time on it. So again, it depends kind of across the board. And then they try to snag you for the whole album, and then you're like, "Oh, actually, I don't really like it that much." I don't know. You guys want to hire me for the full album? We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah we'll <laughs> you, you let me know. When was um, the last time you produced a full album? Ever? Have you ever done it? Oh, yeah, of course, you have. Yeah. I know you have. I know yeah, you have. Years with years with rock bands from yeah. Um, um, probably been six or seven years. Yeah. A full album where I li like literally yeah. did everything. It's probably Same. like six or seven years. Um, it's it's just it's just not the it's just not the way anymore. I mean, even the idea of making a full album is 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 uh, less and less uh, less and less yeah. popular. Um, okay, let's let's see if we can jump to. I mean, there's so many more questions. Um, <laughs> oh oh. Um, this is another one, which is sort of more Bjorn asks, can you talk about combining multiple DAWs into your workflow? I might save that for a different yeah. live. There's a, there's a, a couple of producers I'm talking to about coming on here. There's a lot of discussion about that on the discord as well. I mean, I guess rewire is not working on Ableton 11. So people were using rewire to do Ableton and pro tools. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's hard to, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to talk about it. I'll save that for another one, but I think that's a good question. Um, and I know there's been some discussion on the Discord about that. Um, oh, Casey asked, do you get any noise floor from your analog gear? Is there any stuff yes. that you use that, how do you deal with that? Just is what I it don't. is. There's a very, very low amount of hiss on some stuff. In the beginning of a sometimes. song, if nothing's playing, I cut it. You know, I fade yeah. in my, uh, I guess I should talk about this. I do deal with it. I fade yeah. in and out my, my print track, my aux that I, you know, put my mix bus uh, stuff on. And I'll fade it in and out as if you were to do that in mastering. Sometimes I leave it and Dale will do it in mastering. Um, but, you know, if, if instruments are playing, it's so low. Like, I, it's, you know, it's, uh, you can't hear it or it's just cool vibe. I think, like, records for decades had it. Uh, if there's a blank moment where it's like a full cut, like a super digital stop, like, I have to do that in mastering. But yeah. it's so low, those moments even don't sound. And it's almost like there's just a ghost of, you know, some sound there. I, I don't ever um yeah i'm not worried about it i mean you know, the every amount now of... and then my unfair child which is doing right now makes noise and i use like a like a bad noise and i use it on my drum bus so if there's like mm. a drum um on a on a drum parallel sorry if there's a section where it's really naked i can't use it and i mute that track um or mm. i try to denoise it in those sections but you know there's we're running out of tubes and i don't want to like I don't want to talk down about it, but my tubes on one side keep going pretty regularly. So mm. just, uh, who knows? And it happens all the time. But well, this, when you have little, little light bulbs, uh, which yep. are tubes all, all throughout a piece of gear and it's uh, hand wired and whatever, yeah. like things, things, but I love it and I don't want to get rid of it. So I use it. Um, and then I usually, you know, it's high end noise. So if I use it on bass, for example, I can filter down to whatever three, four five K you won't even fucking notice it. So, I, um, 
I don't use it on my mix bus, so it's fine. So I usually just get away with those things. But yeah, I mean, I use analog gear on a lot of stems too that I bounce stuff through and they're all tubed and they're noisy. So I strip Mm. silence, I I cut the noise out, I fade in and out and I'll filter accordingly after it if I don't need high end and things. We talked about that anyway. I don't leave unwanted high end in most sounds. So I filter. That's interesting too. I I didn't think about that where, you know, if you have, if you have a piece of analog gear on your mix bus and there's a teeny bit of the hiss noise at a very low noise floor um it's probably not a big deal but when you run 20 stems through that mm-hmm, same year and then somebody adds up those stems you have 20 times that mm-hmm. that's interesting i didn't, didn't think about that that's a good so in loud thought. sections it won't matter and that's just how recordings were for since forever so yeah. no one no one's ever really complained um and you cut it out you strip silence in moments that are need to be dramatic and i already i, I don't that's the thing. You can't run things through the analog gear and um, and not commit them because then you won't be able to do that. I mean, you can mute automate uh, to get noise out of things. Like that's how it was done in, in older days too. But I was just bouncing the stems through so I can cut the track. But yeah, that, there's some maintenance that comes with analog gear for sure. Um, it's not a set it and forget it mentality uh, by, mm. by any means. And constantly checking calibration. Uh, now that I put my, the GML on my mix bus, Sometimes it goes off, you know, at, at 12K, like 0.2, mm-hmm. and then the vocal the vocal starts, like, leaning left. Like, this is analog gear. This is the world. I thankfully came up in it, so it doesn't intimidate me. Yeah. But, you know, before bouncing an album, like, I'm checking the – or even a song, I'm, I'm checking calibration. Yeah. You know. Well, cool. Well, we've done a, a good hour here. There's, like, nine more questions, but yeah, I got to go. take forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I, I can't do next week because I'll be traveling back from Orcas. Um, okay. So – Either have someone can, else on, or we'll jump in the week after. See if I can. Go I'm excited to maybe go see a, a whale. Yeah, I'm gonna go they, whale uh, watching. There are whales up there. Yeah, gonna <laughs> try to find one. I hope you see them. Uh, love you, my friend. Good to see you. Love you too. Thank you guys let's, for watching. Uh, today's a little crazy, but let's let's catch up. Yeah, man. I'm around the next couple of days. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Time. Bye.